We considered Romans 14, 1 through 12 last week. We're going to be looking at 13 through 23 this morning. Romans 14 and verse 13. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide. Decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died." So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Let's go to the Lord and pray and thank Him for His Word and ask for His help this morning as we consider it. Father, I bow before You. On this Father's Day, uh, recognizing um, the blessings and gifts that I've received from my earthly father and uh, thinking about the blessings I want to bestow on my children as uh, their father. Um, But Lord, uh, Father, thinking this morning, what a great privilege and gift we have in the gifts that you've given to us in Your very own Son, Jesus Christ, in Your Spirit to all who have believed, in Your Word uh, as we consider it this morning. And so, Father, um, we know that the gifts that we give as an earthly father are good gifts, and if we can give good gifts, how much better can You give good gifts? And we see that and acknowledge that in Your Word and in Your Son and in Your Spirit this morning. May we treasure them uh, as the good gifts that they are from our Heavenly Father. We ask and pray in your Son, Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Romans chapter 14, in verses 1 through 12, we looked at last week, and uh, we were challenged by Paul's command in verse 1, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. And he would go on to explain how as Christians we're to welcome one another. And uh, we began by uh, 
um, describing the unity that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord, in the essentials of the faith. And yet, in the midst of the essentials, there, were, uh, there is diversity in the non-essentials, um, secondary, uh, tertiary things of the faith, uh, and, and that there would be diversity in the midst of those things. Um, some in our own church, but beyond that, there would be diversity among Christians. And yet, there is this attitude of charity that is to be shown uh, in the midst of that diversity. Charity that's to be shown in the midst of the unity. Uh, unity in the essentials, diversity in the non-essentials, and yet charity in all things. And that's what that word welcome gets at. It's that bringing alongside. It's that partnership. It's that, um, uh, that, that tangible, uh, what Aquila and Priscilla did for... Uh, Apollos and bringing him alongside, even though they had differences of opinion. We saw that uh, so well explained uh, in Paul's first section of chapter 14, that we're to welcome those whom God has welcomed. If God has welcomed some into His family, Him as Father and others as sons and daughters, we're to welcome them too. Uh, We are to welcome those whom Christ has died for. If Christ has died for the sins of those who have repented and believed, we're to welcome those who have repented and believed into the family uh, of God. Uh, We're to welcome those whom we call brothers and sisters, the text made abundantly clear. Uh, And this this idea of welcoming, it doesn't just start in 14.1 and kind of get left beside. It, It continues on. In fact, it's really the bookends beginning in 14.1 and then ending in 15.7. If you look ahead there, in 15.7, Paul says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so these, this whole section is about this, uh, this idea of welcoming one another in the faith, uh, encouraging one another. And the phrase that we just sang in Speak, O Lord, the last two lines there, Uh, where it says to speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. That's what we're getting at this week in this passage uh, about building one another up rather than tearing one another down. That's the title for my message this morning, even though... You have a, probably have a different title on the screen because I'm realizing, though I changed my points for you on the screen this morning, I did not change the title. So there's the title from last week. This is my title that I just said for this week. As I just remembered, I didn't put it on the screen. Uh, this is not Grace's fault, but maybe you can show me some grace in it. Building up rather than tearing down. That's the title for this passage, how we are to welcome one another, building up rather than tearing down. And you uh, might, uh, a picture that might be helpful for you as you uh, look at these scriptures with me and maybe heard them read, uh, you'll hear the idea of building up rather than tearing down. You'll hear the idea of not causing somebody to stumble uh, or to, to fall. And, and you can imagine 
uh, those moments at night, those of you fathers on this Father's Day with kids or those of you, uh, a ki- uh, you know, have, maybe you've done this to your father at, at some point, but you've left toys out uh, in the middle of the night, Legos are the worst, um, or, or left bricks out, or, you know, for us more recently, it's been the dog toys, um, or you've moved that chair or that coffee table uh, that has been there for 20 years, uh, and, you know, though you can walk throughout the house in the middle of the night because that one thing, that stumbling block was, was placed in your path, all of a sudden you have uh, broken toes or you have screamed and all but um, said things you probably shouldn't say in the middle of the, middle of the night. It's, it's that stumbling block. It's that um, tearing down uh, that we're fighting against here, that God's Word is encouraging us against. It's, it's the opposite of that. It's the building up. It's, it's it, you know, practically that. Fa- kids, for Father's Day, that would be a great gift to make sure the floors are clean for your kids. You can practically um, practice this uh, this week so that you don't put a stumbling block in front of your father in the midst of the night. But spiritually, we're to be doing that as well. But it's that picture that may help us consider one another uh, as we're thinking about this passage. Not, not being lazy, uh, not being prideful, not being intentional to put a stumbling block in front of another brother or sister in Christ that would cause them to, to fall. Instead, we want to build them up. We, we, we don't want to live in such a way that might cause them to trip up and fall. We want to live in such a way that builds them up and encourages them in the faith and in the things uh, of God. And if you're taking notes, having uh, written down that that title for us, building up rather than tearing down, I want you to note three things this morning under this heading. Decide never to put a stumbling block that could destroy... Decide never to put a stumbling block that could destroy first the people of God. Uh, we, we are to, Paul commands us in, in 14.13, to decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. He opens up this uh, section with that therefore, that is the therefore based on 14.1-12, that idea of welcoming those whom God has welcomed, whom Christ has died for. Uh, whom we call brother and sister, knowing that, um, uh, that not only has Christ died, but one day we will stand before God having to give an account. We're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Himself, giving an account for how we welcomed others into the family of God. And that's a challenging point there. And so Paul builds on that. Knowing that we're going to stand before the Lord, he says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another. And what's the next two words? Any longer. 
Remember, I don't, if you were here last week, if you weren't, I'll tell you, last week the command in verse 3 was stop passing judgment. It was something that the Christians were doing in the church in Rome, something that we've probably done as well. The command was not, do not do this in the future. It was stop doing this because it was something that they had been doing. And we, we see that hinted at even in that phrase right there. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. It's something that they had been practicing. I wonder if it's something that some of us have been practicing. Uh, at, unfortunately, at different times, um, looking at others who may exercise their Christian freedom in one area differently than you, and you pass judgment on them. Uh, the, the command in verse 3 alongside not stop passing judgment was stop despising uh, the other people. And I wonder if we too, like the church in Rome, have despised others who have had a different opinion in those areas of Christian freedom and Christian liberty. Uh, again, we're not talking about those areas that we are to be unified in the essentials, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're talking about those secondary, tertiary areas of Christian freedom, of, of how we're to exactly be raising our kids, of how we're to be using our time, of how, uh, what we're to be eating and drinking, what we're not to be eating and drinking. Um, in those secondary areas, have there been times when you've passed judgment, times when you've despised? Well, Paul is bringing up those commands and saying, again, let's not do this any longer. And instead of what we're not to be doing, Paul tells us what we are to be doing here in this passage. And here he commands us, once and for all. So where that was a present tense command last week to stop doing this and continue not doing this forever, here he gives us this kind of overarching command over this whole passage and says for us to once and for all, rather, decide. That's the command. Decide. Determine. Never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. And that's why I've said that I've used that language as kind of our overarching application of this, that we would decide never to put a stumbling block that could destroy the people of God. The key to this uh, is, is found later on in, in verse 15. Uh, the idea of walking in love. Uh, Paul explains in verse 14, though, that uh, himself, he, he kind of gives a, a personal uh, application of this regarding his own life and understanding of the Gospel. He says, I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. And here, again, if you weren't here last week, what Paul is referring to is, is food or drink um, that potentially would have gone against Jewish dietary laws or um, food or drink that was offered to idols in Rome and therefore Christians shouldn't eat. 
And, and so Paul had come to the understanding with a good understanding of creation that if God is the creator of everyone and of everything, um, then every, everyone and everything that God has made is clean. And yes, sin has um, brought about the fall. It's brought about the curse. Um, but nothing that God has made, food and drink alike, are unclean for us. Um, they were for the, the people of God in Israel for a time being as they were to simply follow the Lord and trust the Lord in that way to be a people distinct from the rest of the world. Uh, but there's a new way of being distinct through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not food and it's not drink. So there was freedom on what people would eat and drink. And Paul says, I'm of the persuasion, um, I'm of the belief that there's no meat any longer that is unclean. Uh, there's no drink any longer that is unclean. And I was reminded of this last night. We, Joy and I were watching one of her shows that I was enjoying, you know, the difference, you know, her show, James and I talked about this week. This is one of her shows. I don't even know the name of it, but it was of a, this Jewish man that goes around and eats food, and he happened to go to Spain, and he said, Spaniards eat so much pork, you might as well convert, was this Jewish man's uh, recollection of what, you know, it might have been, you know, because uh, he... Uh, but I, would, I, I told Joy, it's like, it's true. He, he should convert to be a Christian, and then he can eat pork because it's, it's clean. There's practical you know, application to that text. When you watch that show, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, but he, Paul was of that persuasion. Uh, he knew in his heart that nothing was unclean, but he goes beyond that and says, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. And Paul was saying, I'm not going to force people to eat meat that the Jewish dietary laws um, didn't allow them to eat. I'm not going to force anyone to do something that goes against their conscience in these areas of Christian liberty and Christian freedom because doing so would be me placing a stumbling block or a hindrance as that person is aiming to pursue the Lord to glorify God, and to worship Him in, in all of their life. Uh, Paul says, for the person whose conscience, may, maybe it's uh, a Jew who's come to faith in Jesus Christ, and yet they have for decades worshipped God in that way. They, they want to continue to worship God in that way. Not as a work done to earn God's favor any longer, but having received God's favor through faith in Jesus Christ, they want to continue worshiping God by being distinct from the rest of the world. Uh, and so they continue in that way. And Paul says, I've come to this side and I find freedom that I, don't, I can eat those things and drink those things. Um, but there's others who haven't. And we as the people of God are not to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in anybody's path. In 15, he says, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. And there it is. There's the key. The key in all of this is the idea of, of walking in love. Paul would go on in 1 Corinthians to explain these things a little bit more. In 1 Corinthians 8, 9, Paul 
makes this charge, but take care that this right of yours not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. And just before that, he says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, we don't have necessarily those um, dietary laws in, in the areas of meat that, that one brother might um, stumble over necessarily. There may be, may be some. Um, drinking could be that way, though. I mentioned that last week where drinking alcohol for our culture for many decades and centuries was seen as negative. Even churches banning alcohol and this, you know, different rules around it. And yet we don't see in Scripture a ban on alcohol in, in general. We see a very clear ban on drunkenness. Uh, in that. And yet, what Paul is trying to say, even though you may find freedom to be able to have a, a glass of wine um, at, at some point, if that causes another brother who m- conscience convicts them not to, do, to drink that, whose heart or, or maybe their past has dealt with serious addictions to alcohol, and, and you not walking in love, um, joyfully embrace that, boast about it, describe it in detail, not caring for the temptation that that might be for the other or the conviction that that brother has. Uh, we're, we're putting a stumbling block. We're putting a hindrance in that brother or sister's way. Maybe it's not drink. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's what we watch. Uh, Maybe you feel freedom in the Christian life to watch um, certain shows or movies, maybe to listen to certain music, and, and yet there's other Christian brothers or sisters who just don't. And, and it's not that maybe one is sinful and one is not. Um, I think as you get a certain distance away from purity and holiness, it probably, you could probably make a pretty good argument, but um, there are some movies that some people would say, no, it, it's got some, a, a few words I wouldn't like to listen to. It's got a few scenes I just wouldn't like to watch. And another person say, you know what, I feel the ability to listen to that. I'm trying, you know, don't want to allow that to, but if you, if we judge one another in that and despise one another for that, talk down to one another or tell someone to, come on, just watch it, it's fine, or, oh, just listen to it, it's, it's good, um, or, or vice versa, looking back the other way and, and saying, I can't believe you would watch that. I can't believe you would listen to that, you know, despising them for those things. We are putting hindrances in there rather than what it would look like to walk in love and to do what Aquila and Priscilla did with Apollos and to take that person alongside and say, would you, would you explain to me? You know, I, I want to know. I, I, don't, I don't feel that way, but I would love to know why you feel that way. And hopefully what we're going to look at later in the passage uh, is true of them, that they have only watched only listened, only drank in that way out of faith, um, having searched the Scriptures and those kinds of things. For if, the, if you haven't proceeded in faith, then Paul is saying it's actually sin as well. 
And so I hope that we would see the, this idea here of deciding never to put a stumbling block that could destroy the people of God, that we would see one of the ways that we would do that would be to walk in love. And church, I just want to commend you. I have seen this done well in you. I, I noted this last week, but even just to get specific, in, in the midst of the pandemic uh, two years ago, in watching churches divide over mask regulations, and watching our church, not perfectly, but, but I think in faith and walking in love, we had people who were on both sides of uh, wanting to see masks worn by all and in all situations and not wanting to wear masks in any situation. And, and we saw people not put their secondary and tertiary view of, of a mask over the gospel and over love for one another, but we saw individuals love one another well, walking in love and saying, you know what, in this season of time, I'm going to wear a mask because I don't want my other brother to stumble and struggle, and, and, and vice versa on the other side. It, it was, quite honestly, just beautiful to see in our local church because it wasn't what was necessarily happening in other churches. It wasn't even what was happening in our nation. And what a beautiful picture of us not putting hindrances and stumbling blocks before one another, but at different times and, at different, and in different ways, us deferring to one another in love, being sacrificial and walking in love. And I, I commend you for that and uh, uh, applaud you with that. And we see the, the command after that walk in love, Paul says, by what you eat, do not destroy. Or, more literally, stop destroying the one for whom Christ died. This is similar language to what Paul used last week in, in 14, 1 through 12, that we're to welcome those for whom Christ died. And Paul makes it abundantly clear that we are to stop destroying by putting in hindrances or stumbling blocks that would cause someone to trip, cause someone to fall uh, in their Christian faith. I'm not saying destroy their Christian faith altogether, for we know uh, that, that God is the author of salvation and the perfecter of salvation, and you cannot fall away from Him. For if you are in His grasp, no one can snatch you out of it. But we can cause one another to trip and fall in the Christian life. And Paul says, stop destroying your brothers and sisters for whom Christ died. For if Christ, Christian, willingly gave up His freedom, His life for you and for your sin, surely we can give up some of our Christian freedoms, some of our secondary and tertiary areas of life so that others might thrive in the Christian life. That's what we want. Christ has died so that others might live. Might we give up some of those freedoms so that people might thrive in the Christian life that the Lord Jesus has, has given to us? That's what we're talking about here. Walking in love in that sort of way. For by this, the Apostle John says in 1 John 
By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is the attitude that we're to have in that. But not only are we to uh, decide never to put a stumbling block that could destroy the people of God. We're never to put a stumbling block that could destroy the kingdom of God. And now you might say, well, that's impossible. And you're right. But we ought not to uh, live in such a way that slows the kingdom of God down or that lives contrary to the kingdom of God being lived out. Look in verse 16, having just commanded the people to stop destroying the one for whom Christ died, Paul goes on and says, so do not let what you regard of good be spoken of as evil. This is a command. Another stop command. Stop living in such a way that might be what might be good for you might be called evil. How does that happen? That's confusing English. Well, again, let's, let's consider that area of Christian freedom that Paul says, I know and I'm persuaded that it's fine for me to live in this way. It's good for him to live in this way even. Um, can be spoken of as evil if you live in that way at the expense of your brother or sister in Christ and then that good way of living is actually called evil because you've caused your brother to stumble and you've put a hindrance in their way. And so Paul is saying stop living in your Christian freedom in such a way that people are going to look at the way that you're living and say, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't live in that way. You shouldn't yeah, you can say that, but you shouldn't say it in that way. Yeah, you can live and do that in Christian freedom, but what about these other brothers who are weaker than you in the faith? You're, you're setting a bad example for them. Paul says that there's good that you can do, but in certain situations and around certain people, and if done in certain ways or tones, can actually be evil. And that's something we all need to consider. We ought not to just live and do the things that we want to do believing that they're good and allowed in the Christian life and just say, well, God, God didn't say I couldn't do it. Show me where. What, what verse are you talking about here? As, as if we're to you know, be, be playing you know, a Bible game here in this. Um, there's a lot of things that aren't said or uh, to do or not to do in the Bible, but attitudes and ways of living Again, going back to this walking in love, uh, and here what we will see here is the attitude that we're to be having in this is one of serving in the Spirit. That's the sub-point of the larger sub-point of the bigger main point. In verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace, and joy, listen, in the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of, may I insert, rule, simple rules and regulations. But the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And yes, Christian, 
the kingdom of God is about you living a righteous life. It's about you living a peaceful life. It's about you living a joyful life. But let's, let's step back a second and remember where true righteousness comes from. Let's step back and, and consider for a second where true peace comes from. Let's step back a second and remember where true joy comes from. For the only way we're able to live righteously, live peacefully, live joyfully is because we've been made righteous through Christ's death on the cross, through our repentance of sin and faith in Jesus. The only way we're to be peacemakers and live at peace with other brothers is because we've been made at peace with God. The only way we are to live a life full of joy is because the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit has given us the fruits of the Spirit of joy. And so this isn't simply a command of, of Paul saying the kingdom of God is not merely commands of don't eat this and don't drink this, but of doing righteousness, doing peace and joy. But, he, but he's saying, yes, it w- there will be righteousness, there will be peace, there will be joy, because in the Holy Spirit... As you, Christian, have repented of your sins and believed on Jesus Christ, God's given you His very Spirit, and now you're able to live more righteously than ever before. You're able to live at peace with others whom you weren't able to live at peace with because you've been made at peace with God, and now we're uh, displaying the peace of God to others. Uh, You have a joy in you that goes beyond your circumstances of everyday life, no matter what happens in this life, and are able to show that joy to others uh, in whatever situation you find yourself in. It's the, uh, the attitude here of not putting a stumbling block or a hindrance in anybody's way lest we destroy the kingdom of God. The attitude in this section of Scripture is that we're serving in the Holy Spirit. The the word serve comes in verse 18 where it says, whoever serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Almost getting at the idea that it's not just about these rules and these regulations for if we're serving Christ in the Holy Spirit, the, the line is way higher than we might think. Uh, for the Old Testament line of Scripture said, do not murder. But what did Jesus say? Those who have uh, had anger in their heart have committed murder against their brother. If we were just living around a bunch of rules and regulations, can I do this? Can I not do this? How far is too far uh, before I've gone the, that far? The attitude is like, How far can I stay away for the glory of God and for the sake of my brothers and sisters in this? How in the power of the Holy Spirit might I serve Christ? Uh, Because when I serve Christ, I know I haven't just barely fulfilled the law, but I've become acceptable to God because of the righteousness of Christ that has been given to me. And, And I'll be approved by men. So then... Let us pursue, in verse 19, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We're not to be living in such a way that destroys our 
brothers or sisters, the people of God. We're not to be living in such a way that destroys or hinders the kingdom of God. Instead, we're to be walking in love. Instead, we're to be serving in the Holy Spirit. And when we do, it will lead us to live a life that pursues peace, that pursues mutual upbuilding. Not, can I live this way and is everyone else okay? But maybe I ought to live in an even more different way so that others are more lifted up, more built up, more strengthened in their own faith. Um, How might I live in such a way that, yeah, I can spend my money in this way. I can buy that. I have Christian freedom to do that. But Christian, might some of us in that area of Christian freedom say, um, yeah, I can buy that, but maybe... Maybe I shouldn't, and maybe I ought to use that to build up the body of Christ. Maybe I could use those resources better. Maybe I could use my time better. Um, we, we ought to consider those things. Christ Jesus, in the power of your Spirit, how do you want me to serve my brothers? How do you want me to build them up rather than tearing them down? What, do you, what would you have for me? Not... Not, Jesus, what I have in the back of my mind and the kind of the picture that you know, I've, I've been given by Christianity, American Christianity of what I'm supposed to do, bare minimum, you know, 10% there. But Lord Jesus, how would you have me spend my money and my time to build up the body of Christ, uh, to encourage other brothers and sisters that may be around the world that are never even going to have the opportunity to buy that thing you thought about buying? for they're simply fighting for clean water or food for the day or shelter or health care or whatever it may be. Oh, oh Christian and church, if, if we would open up our minds and our hearts, not just to kind of what we have to do, but Lord Jesus, what would you have us do? How much more would the kingdom of God be built up and displayed in front of us rather than be torn down? I think there's a lot of people who don't want to be Christians because the kingdom they see before them is not anything that they desire. And it'll only be that way when we, having been made righteous by Christ, been made at peace with God, and having been given a joy that is just unexplainable and then begin to show, live righteously, live peaceably, live joyfully, will others in this world actually want what the Lord Jesus has given to us Himself? And so let's consider that. Let's consider that as individual Christians. Uh, Let's consider that as the people of God here at the Fields Church. And if you're a guest with us this morning, consider that for when you go back to your home churches, you too ought to be able to build up your church in these very ways. But not only ought we not to live in a way that destroys the people of God and the kingdom of God, but thirdly, the work of God. In verse 20 and 23, we're not to live in such a way that would destroy the work of God. We're not to put a stumbling block or a hindrance Um, that would destroy the work of God uh, around us. Do not, Paul says in verse 20, for the sake of food, 
And that, for the sake of food, is emphatic. And might we insert into there maybe any area of Christian freedom that, that we find that we have. Do not, Christian, for the sake of any area of Christian freedom that you think you may have, destroy the work of God. Literally, stop destroying the work of God among you. Everything, Paul details, he says everything indeed is clean. This goes back to the truth and, and, and the belief that he's come to know uh, and, and been persuaded of himself that everything indeed is clean. Um, there was no longer in Christ any unclean foods according to Jewish dietary laws. And, and the food that was potentially offered to idols, is there any actual God of that idol? The answer is no. There's, there's nothing real about that idol, Paul would make the argument in other places. And so there's nothing unclean about food in and of itself. But he says, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Or I could add, by what he drinks. Or how he spends his time. Or how he spends his money. Or what he listens to. Or what he watches. Or the way he talks. Or the attitude of which he has. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Paul speaks then to brother and sister in Christ who may have more freedom, more Christian liberty in, in their faith. The stronger brother. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Now, if you want to take that verse out of context, and some people do, the faith that you have keep between yourself and God. There's a, a world that wants to tell Christians, hey, you keep your faith between you, you and God. Romans chapter 14, verse 22. But if we understand the context of this verse, we recognize that that to apply it in that way would actually go contrary to Romans chapter 10. Uh, that all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. But how will they call on Him unless they have never heard? And how will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will someone preach unless they are sent? For how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So we know that Paul is not saying, uh, don't share your faith with anybody here. But here what he's saying is that we uh, who who have a knowledge of and, and a belief that we have Christian freedom in this area, ought not to go and force that upon other brothers and sisters in Christ, and yet ought to just keep that between us and the Lord. And you believe the Lord allows you to eat in this way? Praise God. Eat in that way out of faith to the Lord. As Paul said last week in our passage, um, in verse 6, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, uh, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. Christian, if the Lord has given you Christian freedom in that area and you deci decide to live, that, live out that area, praise God. Do it in honor to the Lord. Let it proceed from faith. 
Let it proceed from faith and honor and glorify the Lord in that way. But, but keep that between you, lest you cause someone else to take your Christian liberty upon their life and stumble and fall into sin later on down the road. That's his word of encouragement regarding not living in such a way that destroys the work of God. He's saying, keep those areas of Christian liberty between you and God. Don't force those upon others. Don't judge others who don't think the same way as you. He says, even blessed is the one um, who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Blessed uh, is the one who is living in such a way. Remember the command earlier was stop passing judgment on another. And I forgot to mention this, but I could go back up to chapter 14, verse 13, and it says, uh, I think this will help explain a little bit here, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide. This is the English uh, translation of that, decide, but the verb is the same as judgment previously. So it, it literally says, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather make a judgment never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way. So in one sense, we're to not judge others, but we're to make a judgment not to call, cause anybody to stumble in that section. Here Paul's saying, go another step and live in such a way that if you were to judge yourself, you would not be found guilty. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Christian, we're going to stand before God. We are going to have to give an account, according to Romans 14, 10 through 12, to God himself self on the, at the judgment seat of Christ. But blessed is the one who has judged himself in such a way that he's not found himself falling short here in this life and knows that he'll be approved when he stands before God. We ought to get into a regular practice of that, Christian, judging ourselves and finding ourselves approved in accordance with the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and, and with the help of the people of God, knowing that we're going to stand before God himself one day. And, and Paul is trying to say, Christian, there's real blessing in this life if you would live in this way. You want to have your blessed life now, your best life now, and be blessed in this life? You ought to live in such a way that there is no uh, judgment, that, that you can't pass judgment on yourself right here and right now, much less when you stand before the Lord. I'll ask the Lord to give you His eyes. Ask the Lord to let you see your own heart like He sees your heart, knowing that one day you'll stand before God and your heart will be exposed. And it would be better for us to judge ourselves right now and to repent of sin and confess to our other brothers and to move in towards Christ's likeness now um, rather than having to Make that happen when we stand before the Lord. Blessed is the one. 
Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But in verse 23, he speaks to the weaker brother. Having already spoke to the stronger brother, he now says to the weaker brother, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Listen, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And this is what I was mentioning earlier. That we ought to live our lives in such a way that everything proceeds from faith. We ought not to live our lives in this way because Pastor Brian does or because other people do. For then we would be um, taking pressure from somebody else and not proceeding in faith. We ought to not live in such a way, in, in this way, in doing this, that, or the other, simply because it's opposite of the world. For there may be Christian freedom in some of those areas. What we need to do is proceed from faith. Having sought the Lord, having asked the Lord, 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 what would you have me do? Having first and foremost, sought the, the Lord through the Word of God, seeing if there's any clear direction in any of these things. And if not, then Lord, what would you have me do? Having done that, then bring that to another Christian brother or sister in Christ and say, I see an area of Christian freedom here and I feel the Lord leading me in this direction. What would you have to say about that? Do you have any scriptures to add to my insight? Do you have any sense of, uh, of, of how I ought to proceed in that, areas, uh, in that area. But whatever the Lord leads you to, from there on, proceeding in faith, not just eating because other people eat and thinking it's okay, and not, not eating because other people say it's not okay and just doing that, but you search the Scripture. Be a good Berean, if you will, from Acts chapter 17. One who doesn't simply take someone else's word for it, but readily searches the Scriptures to be able to tell whether or not it's of the Lord or not. And, and then proceed from faith in that area. For if we do not proceed from faith, Paul says, it is sin. What a challenge to all of us not to just simply go through the motions. Uh, and as great as some fathers that we had uh, in our life, who set great examples for us in certain areas. And, and as fathers, we're trying to um, set examples for our children. Um, we ought not to do those things simply because that's what was always done for us, but to seek our heavenly Father and His Word on our life, uh, lest we do something that our fathers missed, uh, lest you do something that your father missed. We ought to proceed from faith in those areas of Christian freedom. Not, per, not living in such a way that we doubt, we're unsure. Jesus' brother James gives us encouragement in this area. In James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. 
and God will give it to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that man should not think he would receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Thinking about that, that word unstable, we're to be living in such a way that builds one another up with a solid cornerstone of Jesus Christ. We're to be building upon what the, the apostles and the prophets have left us in God's Word. We're to be adding on top of that the truth of Scripture with a solid foundation. Um, not to be living in such a way that causes somebody to stumble and fall and be unstable in all that they do like the waves of the sea. We are to be building one another up. We're not to be living in a way that destroys others, uh, the people of God, the kingdom of God, and the work of God. Yes, these are areas of Christian freedom. These are secondary, tertiary areas of the Christian faith that I'm referring to. I'm not talking about the essentials. For if someone strays from the essentials, by God's grace, with God's help, we've got to pull them back to the truth of God's Word made clear in the Scriptures. But in these other areas, there is Christian freedom. And there ought to be an attitude of walking in love, serving in the Spirit. There ought to be an attitude that we are pursuing peace with these other brothers. There ought to be an attitude that we are um, proceeding by faith in these areas of Christian freedom. If we will commit ourselves to that, we'll shine brighter as a church. Um, we'll be more distinct in our community, in our neighborhood, as a church. If we will commit ourselves to these things, we will enjoy the blessings that the Lord has for us. We'll enjoy oneness like like we still have yet to experience as a church. And I long for that. I'm not simply happy as one of your pastors with the unity that we're experiencing right now. I want to experience it even more so. I want to experience diversity among our congregation more than I even look out and see it right here and right now. And that will happen when we walk charitably with others, when we welcome others um, who hold fast to Jesus, who have repented and believed and followed Christ in baptism uh, and are seeking the Lord in these areas of life, uh, aiming to make Christ known among the nations around the world as we're sent out to be the, the church in the world. Church, let's live in this way. And, and let me just invite you. Paul is writing here to the Christian church in Rome, um, one who had unity in Christ and diversity among the body, and Paul was urging them towards charity. And if you're not a Christian and you're here, uh, please hear me. I'm, I'm speaking as Paul did to Christians in urging them to live in such a way that many who call themselves Christians in our city, state, and nation are not living. And I hope and pray you would see in us a radically different life 
than people who on the news call themselves Christians uh, or even churches and even denominations that call themselves Christians. I hope you heard me when I said that there was no righteousness in and of ourselves, that there was no peace in and of ourselves simply by living in, in a certain way, by doing this or not doing that, that there was no joy in any of our lives like the joy we found through faith in Jesus Christ. There was no peace that any of us in this room had uh, that could be compared to the peace that we were given by God Himself. For we were enemies of God before that, having sinned against God. There was no good or righteousness in us except that Jesus Christ died on the cross, having lived a perfect, righteous life, and was buried and rose from the dead on the third day. And to all who repent and believe, He gives His righteousness to. So when I stand before God, it's not going to be based on how I live. It's going to be based on how Christ lived. And you too can stand before God confident of your acceptance to be with Him, your acceptance to enjoy heaven and eternal life with Him. Not on your life, not on any peace that you would try to establish on your own, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, the Bible makes abundantly clear that He'll give you the righteous life that He once lived. That He'll give you a peace that only comes in the gift of His Spirit, coming as a guarantee, coming as um, a seal of the peace that you're one day going to experience in full in heaven. He'll give you His joy uh, that will be a joy that will persevere throughout circumstances of this life. And there are many people in here that could give testimony of every aspect of that life. And if you haven't experienced that yet, I hope you would today in looking to Christ, who is our hope and who is our salvation, even this morning. Would you bow with me? Would you pray? Father, I ask that you would forgive us of living in such a way at times that we have caused one another to stumble or that we have put a hindrance in another brother or sister's way in Christian life. Lord, forgive us for judging and despising others. Lord Jesus, I pray that each of us all having fallen short in this area, as we begin to partake of the Lord's Supper, when we break and take, would confess those sins to You and leave them at the foot of the cross this morning, knowing that You died and rose from the dead to forgive us our sins. Jesus, thank You as was made clear in this text that you died 
for us. You died to make us one, both Jew and Gentile, both male and female, both slave and free, both black and white. Lord, you died to make us one. And yes, there then and here now there is diversity. And yet, Lord, may we show the agape-type love that you showed to us towards one another as we walk in love, that we, as we serve Christ, as we proceed in faith. Spirit, help us, for we know that we can't do this in our own strength, but we need your help, and we know that you give it to us, for we are your people. Lord, I thank you for this time as we have set our eyes on you, Jesus, and have reminded ourselves of the, the cornerstone and foundation of our faith. And as we look to you in uh, this remembrance of your death on the cross through the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup, may we also look around looking into the eyes of other believers and other members of this church, remembering who we've been united to in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. For then that would encourage us to persevere in these ways, walking in love towards one another, pursuing peace and serving in the Spirit and proceeding by faith towards one another. Never desiring to leave a stumbling block or a hindrance in one another's way. So, Lord, let us look to you as we break and take, but let us also look to one another as encouragement to continue in this way. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.